Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message to those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, which can only satisfy the very inner core of your being. Those that are seeking for ultimate meaning and purpose in their lives, there is a purpose, an ultimate meaning and purpose that you can enter into that is beyond your ability even to comprehend because it is so good and so great and so ever lasting and ever large. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the very source of reality, which is love the ultimate perfection and manifestation of love, who is who the one true eternal God is. So for those that are new, I want to refer you to my website at ultimatemeaning.com. There, there's a flip book with very original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me that you can read, which is highlighted with a lot of red print which are links to very amazing and profound videos that confirm the reality of what I am sharing from many fields of science. This message is to those that have come to know the one true eternal God for whom to know is life eternal. That means life that is ever enlarging everlasting in its quality of absolute completeness in pleasure, which is only found in fellowship with this one true eternal God. I'm speaking about the God that is described in the Bible in both the Old and New Testament. In the Old Testament, the word in King James is Lord God, often. And the word Lord in the original is Yahweh. Some translate it Yehovah. But Yahweh is probably the most accurate. And it basically means the I am that I am. The ultimate source of reality. God, separate above and beyond creation. And the second word, God, in the original is Elohim, meaning the Almighty's, plural, the Almighty's One, referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, for God to be God, he must be in three personages because he must be able to rule over the three ultimate aspects of existence simultaneously, which is beyond creation as the Father, in creation as the Son, and filling all creation in omnipresence as the Holy Spirit. And if God was not in those three aspects, he could not do that and therefore would not be God. So I like to always introduce who I am referring to. This God is love. His love always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice that as such would have a measure of corruption in it. But God always chooses the highest lasting good. His love is so pure with integrity that it is a blazing fire of judgment. 
against all that is contrary to this love that always chooses the highest lasting good. The Bible describes it as agape love, the highest form of love. It's represented in mathematics in the negative symbol, which represents cutting off corruption and an indestructible foundation. Because God's love is the very antithesis of corruption, it ensures that there can be goodness without corruption that can be ever enlarging in fulfillment and in creativity of fellowship with God in pleasures that are ever expanding. The other aspect of this love is represented in the positive symbol, which is formed by crossing out the negative symbol. And it is in this that God's love is so great that it was always within his being from the infinite past, for he is beyond time and has created many dimensions of time and of existence. It has always been within the being of God to be able to become a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice for his creatures which he created with free will so that they would have the capacity to love. And so God is not so limited that he cannot come down and communicate with his creation. He came down to this world and became a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice on the cross. He humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, suffered more than you, a mere creature, so that you could choose to repent and be reconciled to God. It is the very reason for all things. There is no love that is greater than this love or that could be comprehended that is greater than this love, or that could exist that is greater than this love. There is no love that could be an ultimate trustworthiness that would be worthy of unlimited authority and power in life without being corrupted by it or using it in a corrupt way, thus indicative that he is the very source. This is good news. How can anyone reject God's provision when he loved you so much that if it was only you that existed in this universe, he would have done that for you, and he did on the cross. And it says in the word of God that even before all of the creation was created, he was slain. It was a reality in the being of God before everything was created that he would come and do this, that his love is that great and that perfect. If it wasn't, he would not have been the source of reality, but he is. I could go on and talk about this in far more depth and detail, but this message is for those that have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, who have repented and asked Jesus Christ to become their Lord and Savior. Yes. Jesus Christ is God in the creation realm revealed to us. God limits himself in the creation realm, but he is the full expression of the being of God to experience. He limits himself to experience the creation realm and have fellowship with it. 
the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one true eternal God. So I want to share with the people that have come to know Jesus Christ, with the churches, especially in the United States and the churches throughout Canada where I live here and around the world, in this hour of serious crisis, what God is wanting to say to you as an assembly and also to you as individuals. And what I do to facilitate that is to seek to speak as the oracles of God. Because it says in 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. When we come together, we are to seek to allow the Spirit of God to speak through us. Words that are coming from God and not ourselves. This is further explained in Revelations 19.10 that says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God out of great reverence and humility and love for God, we are filled with his spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that results in creative utterances that are spontaneous. Whether it's a word of encouragement or exhortation, or a testimony or a prophetic word, or a spontaneous song where the words are instantly made up, us not knowing what we are going to sing or say. But we sense the Spirit rising in us and go with that flow of the Spirit of life in God. I will seek to speak this message out of a heart set and mindset of worship so that prophetic words come through me, so that I speak as the oracles of God. I also facilitate this by casting lots to get the possibility of any chapter in the Bible. And I do it with two independent random applications to get two chapters so that they bear witness with each other as to the theme that God is wanting to speak about from those two chapters. And so I want to share what I've received today and share briefly that. But first of all, I always choose a song and I seek to diligently find one that would be fitting with the message. And so today I have a song that we are going to sing together. These are always high quality, very high quality songs that I choose. I don't just choose any old song. So I want to just bring that up if I can here in a moment as soon as I find it. I believe I have it here. Yes. So here we go.
sings the rest. Oh, do not let your brothers down, nor by you be distressed. The devil knows his time is short. He is the more enraged. And by his words would weaken us before the battle's waged. The trials now more numerous are, the suffering in more sore. such a desperate encouraging song that is so needed in this hour when there is as never before attack on the body of Christ as individuals and also corporately. But this is the time for the body of Christ to awaken out of their sleep, as it says in Ephesians, awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. This is not the time for sleep. This is the time to be filled with the light of God so that we are enlivened and brought into a place where there is nothing that will cause us to shrink back. Because of the awareness of that glory that dwells within us and within our brothers and sisters, God is wanting us to know the riches of the inheritance of his inheritance of the saints in the light.
That's what it says in Ephesians. We need to see the light of God in one another. We need to know, not people after the flesh, but to know one another after the Spirit, to see beyond the flesh and be so filled with the love of God that those things that are of death and that weaken and corrupt are swallowed up by the love that overflows out of each of our lives for one another, above all, of course, for Christ, for it is only as we fully love God and are dead to this world that such love can flow between us and cause all of those things that would cause division and hardness to fall off. Today I received Revelations chapter 3 and Psalms 16. And in both of these chapters in the Word of God, you have a theme of overcoming and a theme of inheritance. These two chapters are filled with the promises of overcoming and also the secrets of overcoming to enter into the fullness of what God has called for you to have for eternity. And you don't want to, in one moment, think that you're not worthy of that or think that you don't, you could never be an overcomer. You can be an overcomer. The Word of God says that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. It's a matter of learning to turn to God in the time of need instead of to depend on our own sufficiency or shrink back and hide as Adam and Eve did in the garden. We come to the light to have our deeds reproved that we might be found in the light. So I'm going to first of all read from Revelations chapter 3 as the Holy Spirit leads me to speak. I will speak on these. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write these things, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. Remember when you received Christ. Remember when you first came to the Lord out of all that idolatry that you were in. And you threw the idols at the feet of the apostles and you had them burned. And you felt so free and you knew you had the gift of eternal life. Okay, go on. If therefore thou shalt watch, shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. So the question is, what defiles our garments? What defiled the garments of many in the church of Sardis so that corporately God addressed them as those that were swallowed up with the corruption of the world around them? I believe with the church of Sardis that they had many guilds and means of employment 
But those guilds required that they denied the Lord or that they compromised the Lord. It's kind of like right now. If you don't get the vaccine, then they fire you. But the vaccines that they're giving you are killing people left and right. That's a statistic now well known that the people that have two or more vaccines are dying in droves. You only have to check the statistics out from insurance companies, from the funeral people, and from the whistleblowers that have downloaded all the most accurate statistics from the U.S. Army to rens-law.com. Rens is R-E-N-Z-law.com. 1,080% neurological damage increase in those. What was it just recently? Five U.S. just crash, crash because neurological damage is happening. People are dying left and right from these vaccines. We're living in a very crucial hour. The question is, I'm not saying that if someone takes the vaccine that they can't believe God to protect them from it too. I'm not their judge. But I'm saying that that would not be the wise thing to do. Because then you are violating the very constitution of Canada and compromising with that dictatorship. Why would we ever want to condone in any way the unfruitful works of darkness when we are commanded to reprove them? We go on and we read here. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. I forgot to tell you, by the way, before I continue here, that I have on my both of my websites, ultimatemeaning.com and loverealize.com, lots of links right on the homepage there to valid news sources that will make you a good watchman over your nation. Now I continue here. So those that overcome shall be clothed in white raiment. And their names will not be blotted out of the book of life, inferring the, making it very clear that it is possible once your name is written in the book of life for it to be blotted out if you do not overcome. If you compromise with the enemy and worship the enemy and put something else first in your life other than Jesus Christ and making him the center and the Lord of your life. You might have times when you fall. It says, though a righteous man falls seven times, yet will he rise. The issue is, are you going to repent? Are you going to repent and come to God in your weakness and boldness to the throne of grace instead of shrinking back because he gives grace to help in the time of need? It is a matter of turning to him and knowing that he will give you the strength that you do not have in yourself. If you try in your own righteousness to come before God and your own sufficiency, you will fall. You know, it says in Ezekiel, I believe it is 33, concerning the righteous, that if they turn from their righteousness because they trusted in their righteousness. We do not trust in our own righteousness as was in that song as well that we sung. We learn to abide in Christ and draw from him as our source of strength and of righteousness out of a heart of great humility and love for God. Then we have 
the church of Philadelphia. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, which means brotherly love, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. You have kept my word, and not denied my name. Because you have a little strength. There is such a thing as walking with diligence before God. It says we're to give all diligence to make our calling and election sure. So we're not those that are slack. We have a little strength, but we're not trusting in our strength when we give all diligence. Our diligence is to put him as the priority in our lives, as the delight, as the treasure, to not be caught up in the deception of lying vanities around us that can manipulate us and steer our life in a course of deception away from God, causing hardness. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do I. Behold, I will make them to come and to worship before thy fate and to know that I have loved thee. And yes, often we will be persecuted, mostly by religious people. It says, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If we are living in godliness, that means we are being conformed to love what God loves and hate what God hates because we are living a life that is pure. It is purity, it is holiness that brings wholeness. And he goes on to say, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Speaking to the church, don't let anyone take the crown that you have, Church of Philadelphia, and you as individuals, don't let it happen. Don't let the enemy knock the crown off your head. Walk in authority. Can you walk in authority if you're not righteous? It says the righteous are as bold as a lion. We walk in authority and God has given us power to tread on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And you cannot know that if you are walking with doubt in your heart and condemnation from your own heart. But the God, word of God says, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So it is a matter of coming to him, confessing our sins and going on until we throw off those things that so easily beset us. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I, write, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him 
my new name. You know, there's no greater promise for those that overcome because they don't give up and fall asleep with the deaths, the things that only have death in them and corruption in them. They don't, they're not drawn into corruption. They're not drawn into the things of death. They're drawn in the direction rather of life, which requires a life of holiness to enter into a wholeness that allows the fullness of the life of God to swallow up the corruption within our inner being and every aspect of our soul and spirit. But the promise is here to the Church of Philadelphia, the Church of Brotherly Love, that you'll never go out. You'll always be the closest to me in the presence of God in heaven. Which heaven is coming down to this earth for Christ will come down and reign with the millions of saints that have suffered with him. If we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. And there's always suffering to live a life that is godliness here or there. Everyone suffers in the world. But when we suffer, we gain Christ because we appropriate him in our trials. Oh, there are those that don't suffer. There are those that are Christians that don't want suffering. No one does. But that don't choose the path of life. They choose to be in an insular world that takes them away from God. And then they find themselves greatly robbed or lost in the end for eternity. But God is calling us to know the blessing. You know, I'm writing a book on the evidence of life after death. And they say there's nothing more fulfilling than being directly in the presence of Jesus Christ and God the Father. You just don't ever want to leave. You look into his eyes and you see all these worlds and things that are being created and, and love that is incredible. I mean, I, how can I describe in a few minutes what is written in my book? on the intensity of the love of God that shines through the eyes of God the Father and through the eyes of Christ to his people. It is so fulfilling that you don't ever want to leave. Now, they have wonderful things they experience in joy in heaven. They can enjoy eating wonderful fruits. There's no end to the things they enjoy there with myriads of creatures and myriads of different kinds of angels and other creations. Oh, it, I, I can't get into describing it. I'd be talking for hours. It's in my book that's coming out soon. And then we have on to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. Write these things, saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Yes, Jesus Christ is the beginning of the creation of the God in this sense. That the God the Father was always in the infinite past. And he was always expressing himself, and he is the beginning of that expression. Jesus Christ is the expression of God the Father. It says that clearly in Hebrews 1.3. In fact, the word son means expression, and Jesus Christ is also called the word. And the word actually means expression too. 
I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. There are many people teaching nowadays about prosperity, material prosperity. Their focus is that if you're walking really close with God, you can have all these wonderful dreams in your life fulfilled of material prosperity and so on. That is not what the Word of God teaches. That is a deception. That is this false teaching that the church of Laodicea bought into. God has chosen those that are poor, rich, and heirs of the kingdom of God, it says. It doesn't mean that God doesn't bless people with wealth. When they're in a deep love relationship with God, they don't find pleasure in this world anyhow with their wealth. They find pleasure in using it to help others, using it in creative ways to bring forth the kingdom of God. We must admit, we must choose to say, God, I choose to buy of you gold tried in the fire. I choose to suffer testing and trial that you allow in my life so that I am purified by the fire as gold is purified. And I choose to acknowledge that I need my raiments to be white by confessing to you and repenting of my sin, of any specific sin and forsaking it. That my garments would not be defiled. That there would be no shame of nakedness that would appear. And that I would anoint my eyes and admit my blindness and say, God, open my eyes. I'm so blind. I want to see. I'm desperate. I want to see you in your glory. I want to know you face to face. As many as I love, I rebuke and chaste, and be zealous, therefore, and repent. And the promise to the church of Laodicea, if they overcome, is the greatest promise of all. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, he's calling to Laodicea in this case, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. All he's wanting is fellowship. He wants to be married to you. He wants you to know his love and his peace. If you will seek him instead of being caught up in all the things that you're trying to do, to fulfill your material needs, put the kingdom of God first. Don't spend hours watching sports. Spend time seeking God and finding his presence in your life. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. You know, in writing my book on the evidence of life after death, I came across a number of genuine Christians that went through quite an experience before standing before Jesus Christ. One lady, there was a black lady, I think her name was Sheila. She was so amazed at the intensity of Christ's love towards her, as are all genuine Christians when they meet Christ in heaven. She knew that Christ was looking at her like she was so precious, like the only one that existed in the universe, like she was the apple of his eye. He know, she knew that Christ would have died for her if she was the only one that he created. She knew such that this love was so intense that she could not look at the intensity of this love. She could only 
She felt an unworthiness that seemed, and it seemed because there, there's no time. It seemed like it went on for, I think she said a year or so, or where she could just not look at the face of Christ, but she was gradually able to look more and more without feeling this unworthiness. And finally, she could fully look. And when she did, the Lord put, him, put her up on a little throne next to him. And she felt such power and authority beyond anything she could describe. She was sitting in a throne reigning with Christ. Wonderful an account of what she experienced when she was known to be physically dead. God is calling us to fall in love with our creator and to put him first in this hour as a body corporately and individually. Now I know I've hardly touched on Psalm 16, so I will great quickly go over to Psalm 16 there to show how that fits with Revelations chapter 12. First of all, I hit the wrong button here. One sec. Yes. What do we read here? I, I'm not going to read the whole song. But it's basically saying here in this psalm, I'm reading this first one because it's really hard to understand in the King James. It's saying in the first verse, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Do you realize that? You, you don't really have any good thing if you think you do. Apart from God. He holds your breath. And then we go on to read this. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lions are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins or my motives also instruct me in the night season. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Here is the secret of overcoming. It is setting Yahweh always before you. With your heart, with your affections, with your worship, not just in your time of prayer, throughout the day learning to praise him, to be conscious of him, to have him as the center in your life in everything that you do, in every little decision. Then you will not be moved. And then he goes on. In verse 9, therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices to my flesh also shall rest in hope, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. This is speaking of Christ, who when he died went to the pit to preach to those. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. God doesn't want you to see corruption and to experience corruption. He wants you to experience the opposite. And when you seek him first in your life and love him and choose to love him with all your heart and make all your time and energy him the priority, then the second death has no power on you. Blessed and holy are they that have part in the first resurrection, for in such the second death hath no power. 
If we allow the enemy to have footholds in our lives, areas that we're not willing to let God have in our lives, then the second death can have power to pull us away from eternal life, from the fullness of what God wants us to have throughout eternity. Thou wilt show me the path of life. God will show you the path that leads to life through the maze of all the trials you're going through. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And that will truly be the case in heaven. So this is about heritage. This is about inheriting what God has for you by overcoming why would you want to be anything less when you can be an overcomer? You simply have to choose to be an overcomer by simply choosing to love God and to put him first. Don't let the enemy deceive you and lure you hypnotically with lying vanities. It says they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. So God is calling the body of Christ to wake up. I've written a book called God Headship and Body Invasion. I am really in serious financial need right now. So if you want to support me by giving a donation on my website, even though it's not a nonprofit organization, or by getting this book, please do so by going to my site at loverealize.com. I really need God's help at this time because I am in a bad situation right now. Really bad. Financially, I'm praying for breakthrough to happen soon. And I'll keep you posted on that. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this message. And please do not go back to being the church the way you were. Get my book and become. It shows how not to limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. So that the glory of God so fills your assembly that it breaks the darkness over your community and multitudes come into the kingdom of God. And your nation is conquered with the gospel. And there is deliverance that happens in your nation and in your community. Thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all.